I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Hope you've had a great week. Looking forward to a good weekend. Uh, but we're going to hit something that um, is a sticking place for a lot of people, and that is that is loss. And life is is can be wonderful. I mean, I'm grateful for all the wonderful things in life, but there are things that we lose. It, it may be a job, uh, you know. It it may be uh, something more serious, like like a loved one. Uh, Maybe a marriage, you know. Uh, wh- whatever it is, a lot uh, of people I find and and you know, I've experienced it myself where you, you lose something that's important to you and you get stuck there. Uh, and so we're going to hit that today. If this is something that you've struggled with, um, I, I think you're going to find some encouragement. My guests have a book called I Used to Be, and then there's a blank. You can see it there. And it's by Chuck and Ashley Elliott. And you get to fill in that blank, whatever it is that you used to be. Uh, and the hope is that by the end of today's discussion, you will have some hope that you will be again. There is a future for you. There is something on the other side of the loss. So we appreciate you guys watching. If you're watching live, the chat is open. You're invited to be a part of the conversation. Uh, Chuck is a pastor. Ashley is a counselor. Uh, and so they. Uh, this is something that they have dealt with um at least with other people, how much they've dealt with in their own lives, we'll find out. Uh, as, but this is something that they have been able to help a lot of people with. And so, again, if you're struggling with uh, getting through, uh, recovering from a loss, stick around. Chuck and Ashley, great to have you on Life Today Live. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're excited to be with you, Randy. Yeah, thanks so much. So, so first question, because I didn't, I didn't ask this, and I've got a lot of notes here provided by a wonderful staff here, but... I didn't get into the details. Is is this something that you guys have had to work through personally, or is it just something that you've dealt with in a congregation or in a counseling setting? Well, we've we've lived a lot, a lot of losses, and we also have worked through it with people at church and people in the counseling office. So for us, the main loss that prompted the book was going through <clears throat> recurrent miscarriage in 2015, 16, and 17. We lost babies due to miscarriage, and it was just such a time of turmoil. It was so hard. And we continued to do ministry. I continued to work full time and had other boys because we do, we did have two kids before, and then we did end up having a baby in 2018. So now we have three boys, but it it was just this tough time. Thankfully God did bring us through it, but it was with a lot of struggle. Go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, so that was something that helped us to develop a lot of the content. But as we were doing this, we were seeing how other people struggled in similar ways with grief and loss. We found that it really shook people's identity. So like the title of the book, used to be blank. So if you used to be married and not being married anymore, whether that's because your spouse passes away or through divorce. And we saw how this content, because of loss, it was really resonating with people. And um, we experienced uh, multiple losses. We talk about that in the book. Also had a break in trust before Ashley and I were married. Ashley found some inappropriate images actually on my computer before we got married. Mm. 
And that was a major break in trust and something that we had to to work through. And so just realizing that we grieve the loss of what the relationship could have been because of a break in trust. So there's lots of different angles to the ways that it shakes our relationships and our identity. Yeah. For us during this time, we had abstained from sex for marriage. We had saved each saved ourselves for each other. And it was so difficult. We had, you know, kept kept redefining our boundaries. Like mm-hmm. we, Lord, we want to be faithful to each other. We were doing ministry together. And it was devastating to mm-hmm. me. And I, I still recall, even through the miscarriages, that I am not sure that 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 the death of my child was as difficult. It at least was equal to the loss of trust that I had with the relationship with Chuck. And so it was devastating. And it wasn't until we went through the miscarriage and started really thinking about the word grief as it affects our relationships and that I began to realize it did affect my identity and it affected our relationship in a similar way that the miscarriage affected our relationship in a similar way to where the, the that pornography did. And so loss can come in a lot of different ways. I lost a boss that died suddenly in a car accident and we've lost other other people in our lives. And throughout the book, we talk about a lot of different large and small losses and it, it just greatly affects who we are and how we feel about ourselves, our confidence, mm. our confidence in the Lord as well. So when, when, when you hit those times, uh, what were some of the questions maybe that kind of came up that you maybe didn't have an answer to that caused some of the unsettling. What were, what was going through your mind? Mm-hmm. Well, I think we questioned and said, all right, who are we now? Hmm. Who are we now? What, what does that mean for our identity? If you're hoping for something to happen in the future and then you realize that's not going to happen, that can shake who you are. We also had the question of like, God, like we, we believe in you. We know that you're close to people when they're hurting, but we didn't always feel God close to us. Mm. So some of the things that we believed were going to happen, whether they be in the practical sense or in the spiritual sense, we had some like unmet expectations. Yeah, we defined a term called spiritual dissonance. So dissonance is when we have two conflicting thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> spiritual dissonance is when we have two conflicting thoughts about God. So before we had gone through this major loss of these babies, I believed that the Lord was near to the brokenhearted. And even with the loss of trust, I felt like God was more near in that moment than I had in others. And so I felt like it was confusing. Like when there was sin in the camp, the Lord was near, but whenever neither of us had done anything wrong, I mean, obviously we'd sin, we're people, but we hadn't, we had repented of everything we'd done wrong. We were seeking him, we were doing ministry and yet God felt distant. And so this was dissonant for us. But we continued to go to the Lord. We continued to go to scripture and we saw that Job, we want to be like him. We don't want to be like his wife. You know, she said, curse God and die. We want to be more like Job. And so we see at the end of his story that though he has some silence from God, God showed up and God was faithful in the end. And so I took strength from that story. And then I look at Jesus and like Jesus had the moment where he said, Lord, where are you? You've forsaken me. Why have you forsaken me? And so I know that God was with Jesus still, even though Jesus felt abandoned. And I mean, we could get into the theological debate of the separation, but God's everywhere still. And so God still loved Jesus just as much. And if that's the case for Jesus, if that's the case for Job, if that's the case for David and other people in scripture, we can believe that God is still there for us, even when we don't see him. And so in time that really 
strengthened my faith. But again, I don't just tell that to someone who's grieving all the, you know, like they say they have, I'm like, well, the Lord's still near to you. Even, you know, I think it's easier to tell my story. Like, this is what happened. I know it sounds prettier in a, in a two minute piece than it does walking through it for three years. But, but God has proved himself faithful as I continued to dig in his word. So that's my encouragement, you know, to continue digging in God's word with your struggles, because God will tell you who you are and your identity. You are a child of God and he'll tell you that he is still there whenever you feel like he's abandoned you. I've uh, seen many times when you get down below a lot of the emotions and the questions and things like that, that, that a core issue that a lot of people really struggle with after painful loss is God's goodness they wonder, mm. is God really good? Um, mm. Why would he allow this? And there are some theological implications. And, and you know, depending on your theology, that could be a, a deeper question than others because, um, you know, some, some of the theological bents are more towards nothing bad ever happening to Christians kind of attitude. Um, yeah. do you, did you experience that or have you at least seen this in other people that have gone through loss? Oh, oh, absolutely. And we see that how people experience grief. Mm. Um, I, I often call it like bumper sticker faith. Mm. And they think that if, if you're really a Christian, then you're supposed to just be happy and too blessed to be stressed and bad things don't happen to you. And if you dwell on it too long, you're lacking faith. I can just tell you right now that that is not true. Mm. And that is not what it looks like. The Bible teaches us that it is spiritual actually to mourn and to grieve. And we see that repeatedly in scripture. We see that in, through the way that David speaks in the Psalms. And we see how even though things are difficult, he still calls out to God. And going back to your original question, I think where you were going with it, um, it can feel difficult to feel like, okay, God, you're this perfect God who can fix anything. It is all powerful, omnipresent, omniscient, all of these things all the omnis, right, Randy? Mm. And he doesn't fix my problem. He doesn't fix it. And it can really push people to feel like, does God see me? Does God care? We know that scripture teaches us uh, repeatedly that he's with us and he does care. And it can be a challenge in the meantime, like what we experience sometimes feeling like, God, I don't see what's going on here. Um, we, we do know that because of sin that entered into the world, that we're in a fallen world and it is it is not perfect. And there are consequences to the sin that was committed in the garden that we're still experiencing today. But how is it that we draw close to God and knowing that he is good, even when the circumstances that we experience don't necessarily feel good? Yeah. And I've realized for me personally, that I might think that God has changed. But again, I go to God's word and I see scripture tells us that God doesn't change. He doesn't change like shifting shadows. That's James. This is the book of James. And, and I, however, do change. <laughs> so when I look at it, I see that I actually change in the way that I feel about Chuck, the way that I behave to him, the way that I think that his behavior, that's the same behavior is going to affect me. And like, I'm less consistent than I think God is. So I started to dig a little bit and realize, okay, God's not changing. So maybe it's me. Mm. And so I started studying that a little bit. And mm. I, I realized I think about Chuck kind of similarly to the way that I think about God. Mm. Whenever I really feel upset, I'm like, why do you let bad things happen? God, do you care about me? Mm. That question of like, do you care about me? Mm. When I'm also hurting and just general life, I wonder sometimes, 
does Chuck care about me? So when I get in a negative space, I have patterns and it's not just to God that I have these questions that maybe you have some different questions that you ask, but maybe you ask them to the people in your life, your support system, and you ask God similar questions. And so I think there's some personality bent, some unmet needs yeah. that go along in us, but then there's also the, the human norm, right? Our, our norm is to feel you know, when, when we aren't getting support to dislike it, to not like to, to want to cry out or beg or ask God to do something different. And I think that's normal, but I think it's also okay to acknowledge God still loved Jesus and Jesus walked a life of suffering. And if God loved Jesus, then God still can love us even in our suffering. And I, and I do see the lessons now that I didn't see. And so I can call out to my inner being and my struggle, like, okay, I got through the last thing and I did see that God was faithful. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully I'll get through this next thing too. Yeah. You, what you're talking about is a, is a big thing. And, and whether or not we realize it, we all have a theology of suffering. And I mm -hmm. think it's healthy to work through that, the questions before the suffering hits, because it can be very difficult when it does, you're better prepared for it. Um, here's an interesting question because a few years ago I was in an accident. I broke my face, my nose, cheeks, and upper jaw I had to have surgery and <laughs> they put in a bunch of titanium plates in my face. So I've got, yeah, some, an interesting x-ray these days. Um, and someone came into the hospital uh, room and said, do you think God's trying to tell you something? And I'm like, I literally went, if he is, I'm listening, <laughs> you know, it's like, um, yeah. And then someone else came in and said, man, don't stuff happens. You know, it's, that's mm. life. That's the world we live in stuff. Accidents happen. Don't read too much into it. I mean, if God's trying to tell you something, listen always, but it doesn't take breaking your face to hear God. Right. Mm. Did any of that come up in your losses, especially with like a miscarriage? Did, did, did you, where you were like, is this, you know, it's, it's mm. like the disciples, you know, did who sinned? Was it me or someone else? Or, or is it just this world that there will be trouble in the world? There is suffering in the world. Do you, did you work, have to work it, through it, that? <laughs> no, Randy, I went to both ends of that and I felt like, okay, it's a fallen world. Things like this happen. And I would almost go too far in that direction to feel like, uh, it's almost like what God would say to me. So let me back up a little bit. So when we experienced the miscarriages, I had moments that I felt like if God were going to say something to me in that moment, he'd be like, eh, bad things happen. It's a fallen world. Mm. Almost in a dismissive, mm. less compassionate type of way. Mm -hmm. And even if it is true that because of sin in the world, there are consequences and things that happen and there are accidents that happen and everything isn't a spiritual revelation to something, it doesn't mean that God isn't with us and he's not compassionate. And I, and I have some of those little thing, light bulbs that come in my, my mind because we have our three boys and when I'm with one of them and something difficult happens or even something difficult's going to happen and I don't necessarily take that struggle away from them, it doesn't mean that I don't love them right. and I'm not with them and I don't see them and I don't hurt and I don't want to cry when they're crying and I'm not in that. So if I were a father to my boys that whenever something was difficult going on in their life, it was like, yeah, life's hard. And I just walk out the door. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean that my intervention in removing the hard changes necessarily, mm -hmm. but the way that I connect with them, that is something different. And that's understanding the heart of the father. Mm -hmm. 
And Ashley, as Ashley was talking about it and the way that she felt like things were being revealed to her through scripture, as she studied these different individuals, um, she saw how the heart of the father was still pointed and inclined to his children, mm -hmm. even though he didn't intervene in the ways that we may want him to intervene. Mm -hmm. And yeah. going back to the the spiritual comments that people said to you. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. People said some really wonky theological <laughs> things like maybe the Lord needed an angel. And I'm oh, like, God. I'm not sure that's what happens. No. I'm just not. No. But but if, if you we really got pregnant so God could have another angel yes. just to yeah. take him. Yeah. yeah. But if right. you dissect that because that's my personality and why I became a counselor because I analyze <laughs> things. But I'm like, bit. OK, so the Lord allowed me to have a baby and then killed it and then right. took it and turned it into an angel. That's like, I don't up. know that that's how God works, but I do think if I try to like in my most stable state, look at the the comments that people said, I really do feel like people are trying to have a spiritual answer. Yeah, They're not very spiritual sometimes <laughs> and they feel like they need to have a spiritual answer. So they say something that is off. And then we beat ourselves up if we're not stable enough or if we're not solid enough in our theology. So I like what you said, like have the theology of grief before you go through a loss, yeah. because then you have that rooted system to go back to. Like, I knew that this was going to happen at some time, at some point, and I am prepared for it. Well, and, and Randy, can I can I ask you, how did you manage those comments? So you were in the hospital and you had somebody say something, God's trying to show you something, and then you had someone else come in and say, yes, bad things happen. What was your process of like pro like processing that mentally? Oh, how, how did you handle it? Wait, who's doing the interview here? Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm curious because um, I think it's a I think it's a great example. That, I mean, the fact that you're vulnerable yeah, in that way, yeah. and I think it's a, a great example of how we have to process through losses that may feel like a grief that is less common. So, literally, what I did is I said, "Okay, God, if if you are trying to tell me something, I truly want to hear. I want to listen." Mm -hmm. uh, and when I didn't hear anything like correction is what you're looking for typically, um, or, you know, warning, whatever, uh, I, I went, okay, I'll just rest in that, that it, mm -hmm. it, was, you know, it was an accident, uh, and praise God for the doctors to put my face back together and I will be more careful in the future, you know, uh, to, mm. to, mm. It, so at least I can take just and this is my own rationale, there's not some revelation from even scripture or God, to be more careful in, in certain situations, you know? Not that I was, I didn't feel like I was being reckless at the time. Looking back, I think you could obviously make that argument, but it's like, you know, this bad stuff does happen, so you need to just, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, like, that was, uh, a, well, I got out of the hospital a week before, on Thanksgiving Day, actually. It was a week before my son's wedding. Um, and mm. by oh, wow. January, yeah. I was snow skiing. But I wore a, a full BMX bike helmet uh, to ski that season. So it's like, okay, don't live in fear, but mm -hmm. be wise. So that that's all. So. No, I don't, I think that's not. I don't think that's small. I think that's good because you you decided, okay, my life is different now. I'm going to make some things that I need to put back into it. And we talk about that in the book. And see, you painted a perfect example. That's why I turned the interview around. For a <laughs> see. What you did in that process is you saw something and it changed who you were, right? That mm -hmm. changed you. That yeah. was a significant moment in your life. And what you did is you said, okay, what do I need to do to continue moving forward? 
well, I know that I want to have adventure. I want to have fun in my life. What's it look like for me to do those dangerous things carefully? Mm -hmm. And then you said, okay, it's going to look different. I'm going to have a helmet on, but I'm still going to bring the things into my life. But unfortunately, what we see with a lot of people is when they lose somebody or something that they love, they pull so far away from it mm. that they lose what they loved. Mm. So if you were in a long-term relationship, a marriage, a friendship, a job, you fill in the blank. Sometimes people will withdraw emotionally and relationally from the next opportunity to have a relationship yeah. because the previous one ended. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that using the helmet when you get back on the slopes is a, is a really good example of that. I love that. Yeah. I also think that people, if they don't isolate from the whole world, they'll emotionally isolate. And so we've, oh, yeah, seen, yeah. we've seen that, that people, they just don't become so like, I don't feel like myself anymore. I used to want to be social. I don't want to be social anymore. Mm -hmm. And it comes from an instability. You know, like grief has a way of like clothing us with just difficulty. When we look in the mirror, when mm -hmm. we go to work, we're not our full self. When we are with our kids, you know, we have a low frustration tolerance. We have all these things. And so we're like, I'm just going to protect everybody. I'm going to stay home or I'm going to go, but I'm just going to be guarded. And so I, I navigated more toward the, like I went, yeah. but I just emotionally isolated. I didn't tell as much about myself because I wasn't available emotionally to like let myself out or I didn't feel safe. And so I think normalizing some of that, like that's kind of what happens with grief, but we need our support system. We need God. So let's not pull away from God. Let's not pull away from our friends and family. Let's just find the safe people. Let's build stability so that we can get back to being who God's called us to be an adventurer, someone who can work hard, you know, whatever it is that, that is part of our identity, yeah. a friend, a leader, whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. 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 Good. Okay. Good. We're getting, getting into solutions now, uh, walking out of it. Uh, and, and I want to follow up with that, but real quickly, I want to show people again, the book, this is, I used to be by chuck and ashley elliott and if you want to go to their website it is chuck and .com. looks just like that it's got their faces right there so they know you're in the right place uh and i don't know there's a lot of other chuck and ashley's out there it's, it's a good thing <laughs> um so if, if if someone is watching and they're like okay yeah i've been through painful loss uh, whether it's physical or emotional relational even spiritual they feel like they used to have a relationship with god and something happened and, and they don't anymore, you know, um, what, where, where is sort of the beginning place to start to get out of that darkness, get towards the light. And, and I know you're not going to give me some of the pat answers that they've probably heard where people try to be spiritual because they really don't know what to say. What do you, where do you begin? Yeah. We start by giving people permission to go there, to mm. think about it, to name what they lost. And then we use some biblical mental health tools. And so we unpack a theory that I developed about relationships and our communication. And basically in a nutshell that we get in this negative space when we have unmet expectations and we teach people how to make a manual reset, how to become aware that they're in a negative space and understand some techniques. First prayer. We, we don't often pray when we're in a dark space, unless we're really upset with someone else. You know, when we have our shame, we kind of hide like Adam and Eve did. Mm. And so we give, we give some tools, some techniques to build stability. We do, do coping mechanisms, exercise and different things to help people build awareness to themselves and then continue to go to God and go to scripture throughout the book. I really like that you pointed out, like we give permission to people to go there because something that we do in the book is we, we ask people to name 
what it is that they're grieving mm-hmm. really specifically. Cause we can say, well, I'm just kind of feeling upset right now or I'm feeling lonely. But if you say I miss being Matthew's wife, mm-hmm. if you really say what it is, I miss having somebody to go to dinner with me on Saturday night and then go to a movie. Mm-hmm. If we help people to actually name it because we can just withdraw from doing it. Cause man, probably somebody listening to that, they could just think about how specific it is and how painful it is. Like you're touching a wound, yeah, you but are. in giving people permission to do that and addressing the wound and looking right at it, that's how we can begin to give treatment to it instead of just avoiding all around it. And we don't do this just to get people to, we don't want you to feel extra sad because that's what we do in our grief work. No, we know that when you go there and work on it, it's going to make you more healthy. And we're not telling you to forget about it. We're not also telling you not to dwell on it Mm. more than what it is that's appropriate. What's the appropriate amount to process it and then take steps. Yeah. I know the answer, but I'm going to sort of ask it anyway, given that you're a pastor and you're a counselor. It, it seems like sometimes when we, we were like, God, where are you? God has a pattern in scripture. You can, well, I mean, all through it of working through people. And so sometimes, a lot of times, I think we find God by going to godly people. Uh, I mean, I guess you can probably, it's some loss you can work through on your own. Yeah. But the ones where you're stuck, how important is it to talk to somebody about it? Oh my goodness. It's so important. And just being a community, you set yourself up to have relationship and to feel seen. It can also be painful if you feel like you're not seen. Let me, let me give you an example. After one of our miscarriages, we were at a family dinner. Ashley has a real big family, tons of them, lots of energy. I love it. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Okay. But we were there shortly after one of our miscarriages and people were on at the other end of the island, like a big island where you have um, chairs sitting around it in the kitchen, one of those kitchens, right? They were at the other end of the island talking to Ashley. And I think her mom was over there and maybe a sister-in-law and some other people and asking how she was doing. And I remember it was another sister-in-law that walked around the island and sat next to me and looked me in the eye. And she said, Chuck, I'm sorry that your baby died. Mm. She looked right at me Mm. and she said it to me. She didn't skirt around it, and she recognized that it was my kiddo as well. And I'm not trying to remove any attention from Ashley at all. I understand that I don't know what it means to have a baby in my body. I'm not trying to reduce that at all. But feeling seen, and I often think about if we would have just stayed home, Mm. if we would have just withdrawn, and we would have had a cultural, family, societal excuse that would be completely acceptable for most people for us to withdraw and stay home. If we would have done that, I would have not had the opportunity to receive from her what she gave me. Mm. And that's a small example of how it is that we need to do these things in community. And we often think that people don't care, so we don't give them an opportunity to care. Yeah. But it is the it is the thing that you're more likely to regret if you withdraw and don't give people the opportunity to to care about you. That's big. That, that's really big, I think. Uh, and it's easy to you're right. Those are the moments where you feel like I have every right to pull back. You know, every, no, mm-hmm. nobody, everybody will understand. Uh, oh, for sure. But we're doing I think we do it to our own detriment a lot of times. Last question for you. Uh, and, and another thing I found a lot and it's kind of I said to someone you're not that special one time because we think you know I'm, I'm glad that worked for them you know God loves them 
but all this stuff, it just doesn't work for me. And I want to go, you're not that special. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, what hope should someone have that they can come out of that blank where that loss is? I've seen a lot of people come around the bin, come out of it, get the oxygen mask to their face and be able to then give oxygen to someone else, whatever analogy you want to use. And yet I and Chuck, we still feel it occasionally. When we get in the midst of a loss, we feel like it's never going to end. And that's a sign that we're in a negative space. When we feel out of options, when we feel hopeless, when we want to hit the easy button or the exit button, it's a sign that we're in a negative space. And if we learn to recognize this is what my negative space looks like. Mm. It isn't God honoring. It makes sense because there's unmet needs, but I've got to bring God into it so that I can see a little bit more clearly and then pull back and like, Lord, help me go to scripture, memorize scripture, write it on your heart so the Lord can bring it to you. And then you will be able to, to find your stride. And in, even in my work with people who are grieving, it isn't this Day one is hard, day two is easier, day three is better, and day four, you're done. It is this back and forth process where you get better and then you're triggered. And we can work through the triggers, but just because we talk about it in a counseling session doesn't mean, oh, not never triggered by that again. Mm-hmm. And so it's okay to acknowledge that it's slow, it's hard, but it's meaningful. You loved someone, you loved something, and you cared, and God wants us to care deeply because that is one of the most meaningful things in life whenever we feel so cared about by someone else. And that's why we get upset with God because we we are going through this grief and then we're like, God, don't you care about me? And so I think it's normal that we feel that way, but God doesn't want us to stay there. And so I do believe there's so much hope. And then there's also so many people who are hurting. And so if we get better, we can help other people too. And I believe that is the picture that God wants for us, that we are rooted in Christ. And so we're able to bring people to, to God, to the water that he does offer. Yeah. Good. Good, good insight. If you're watching and you feel stuck in your loss, let this conversation just be the beginning of, of your healing. Uh, and, and like Ashley said, that it, it is a process and it's okay. And, and God's in the process. That's what you need to know. You aren't abandoned. You aren't alone. You aren't unseen. Good. He is with you. Uh, and, and he wants to walk with you out of that darkness through that valley. Uh, but there is light. There's only a shadow when there's a light on the other side. So there is hope out there for you. Chuck and Ashley, thank you again. Appreciate both of you being here. Oh, thank you so much. It's an honor. Thanks. Appreciate you guys watching. If you know someone that is struggling, gently hit that share button and say, hey, look, I want to offer you a little hope and encouragement today. So check that out. And if you want to follow up with uh, their, uh, Chuck and Ashley Elliott's resource, it is I Used to Be and their website there chuckandashley.com. Appreciate you guys watching. Have a great weekend. We'll see you again next time on Life Today Live.